to episode 68 of Keep the Kayfabe and season two finale Christmas show. I'm Mike sitting here with my boys ready to talk some wrestling. We had a huge dynamite last Wednesday that we're going to cover. Daniel Bryan took on Adam Hangman Page, current AEW champion, and what a match it was. We'll get into all the deets and feedback about that. We had some other good matches on the card that we're going to get to. But more importantly, the Christmas show brings on some very special guests where me, Mike, like to treat the boys for all their hard work and dedication over the year. And uh, you're going to want to stick around because this year it is something special. But before we get into all that, let's introduce the boys real quick over in Glendale. Somebody who keeps it regal. My guy, Steve Groschmidt. How are you, Grabby? I'm better than you and you know it. Absolutely. Hottest wrestler in the business right now. Just Pretty destroying much. it. 100%. Fucking love it. What a heel. Hey, and I got I got uh, something to add to that, too, a little later. So let's keep that in mind, MJF. Um, but I can't share it now because I got to introduce my guy down in Bayview, the man who keeps it freshly squeezed, Matt Michelson. How are you, Matt? Shut up. <laughs> fire people. I like firing people. <laughs> is that Vince Ripped from the, the headline <laughs> that, that's Vince 2021 baby <laughs> oh man yes he just uttered the line tonight I like firing people oh really yep that's hilarious classy what a, too what soon a great guy most definitely yeah right before Christmas fucking Scrooge anyway but yeah, I hope you all are having a great uh, week, so, uh, off, off to a great week so far here. Sorry, we took a little break. Um, I think we were all just very, very busy, and I think the power was out the night that we normally record, so we decided to wait till Monday back to our old time. It's been a little crazy during the holidays. Thankfully, all my work is basically done. I delivered the final knockout blow to my candle, uh, custom orders feeling good and fresh i'm so pumped so this is a great way to settle down and get into the christmas spirit because we're got to talk about winter is coming aew's big show we had a preview show last week if you want to catch up on that episode and hear our predictions on what we thought was going to happen but we're going to go over it right now so the show started right off the bat with the aew title defense uh adam hangman page versus brian danielson who is red hot so last week I predicted, I thought Brian Danielson was really going to take the, the belt off of Paige. Um, I mean, it was so flip-floppy. It was, I mean, the first 20 minutes I was like, man, I really have no clue what's going on here. Well, more time went by. Then it was 30 minutes. Then it was 40. Then us guys actually started the group chat uh, texting, be like, yo, this is kind of going along. Uh, do you think it's going to hit 50 minutes? And we're like, yeah, probably an hour. And it sure did. An hour worth of wrestling on primetime television on TNT for this uh, title match. So let me ask you a question, boys. Do you think 
that it needed to be an hour? Or could they told this story as good as they did? It was a great match, but could they tell it a little uh, sooner? Steve, I, I can see you chomping at the bit. Why don't you lead us off? I think it was next to perfect. I think the timing was great. You know, they're not going to do this very often, but... Um, right. It also, just to me, harkened back to like some just, just classic NWA moments. Actually, mm-hmm. I think some Ring of Honor moments, if I'm not mistaken. Brian Danielson had a bunch of hour-long matches of Ring of Honor. But um, no, I think it needed to be that long because the story they were telling was that you know, Hangman finally exercised his demon and beat Kenny Omega, one of the greatest of all time. And then he was off for weeks, never wrestled. You know, there's some doubt in there. You know, boy, did he, you know, get lucky? How can he go against Daniel Bryan, one of the greatest of all time? And he hung with him and very nearly beat him, if not for that last, you know, couple seconds. So, no, I think, yeah, I think not only do I think it was, necessary but i think you know i i'm older than you guys i uh i watched steamboat flare i watched some of those hour-long ones uh sean michael and i think you guys probably saw sean michaels and bret hart um yeah and hangman is kind of they compare him to sean michaels too which is kind of i just thought about that so yeah good point steve i'm going to say without hyperbole this was the best hour-long match i've ever seen including steamboat flare because steamboat flare was awesome but those guys had to take lots of rest hold breaks this match had virtually no breaks other than like some well-crafted ones those dudes went an hour and i mean yeah one to me it just cemented like you know dan o'brien might or brian danielson might be one of the greatest if not the greatest wrestlers of all time and I mean, mm. at his age and everything, the same week that Flair took kind of a, oh, yeah, he's okay. And he goes out and does that. I mean, my God, it just, I, I can't say enough good things about it other than, and we'll talk about this in a second, I'm sure. Watching it, I didn't necessarily know how I felt about the tie finish, but I think it all worked out and I don't think anybody suffers for it. Yeah, I totally Great. agree. Um, I know, Mike, you had just kind of alluded to it a few minutes ago, but during the match, a few of us were texting, um, specifically Charlie Michael, our fourth member, who's not available this week due to another underwear modeling gig, but Charlie did... No, no, let's bust him out. He (laughs) chose the Chicago Bears over his boys for the Christmas show, the season finale. The Bears are four and nine. They're not going anywhere. They suck. They're playing the Vikings. They're awful. And he's sitting there with his boys watching a four and nine team. Well, sorry, Charlie, you're going to miss out on a good one tonight. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. No, that's totally fine. I was trying to preserve his dignity, but yeah, we keep it real here and keep the kayfabe. Hence the name. Anyway, uh, not for for bears fans. No, I guess not. So, um, by the way, we'll have to talk more about that Keith Lee bet and see how that's going on next week's show or excuse me, not next week. Cause quick note for our listeners, we will not be airing a new episode next week. Uh, we will be kicking off season three of keep the kayfabe in the new year with episode 69. Keep that in mind. It may play into the episode. We'll find out. Uh, but getting back to the match with Brian Danielson and hangman Adam page. So there were some texts flying around amongst the group. I want to say it was maybe 35, 40 minutes into the match. I think it was Charlie who had said this match is too long. And Mm -hmm. it's funny because I was thinking the same thing in that moment. But looking back on the match, now that I've had a few days to think on it, marinate a little bit, it was awesome. Um, And even in the moment, despite it being as long as it was, it was really well paced. The match had me hooked. 
almost the entire time, which for an hour-long match, I mean, how do you do that, right? Right. You know, Steve, you just mentioned Flair Steamboat being a lot of rest holds, a lot of, you know, kind of downtime during the match. Yeah, to your point, this match didn't have any of that. It did a great job, kind of started, it did start out slow, and it took its time building, but I think that's what made it so great is... They didn't go as fast as they could for 10 minutes, take a break, do another five minutes of high-intensity action, take a break. It did a great job slowly building the energy level of the match, developing the storyline. There were almost like chapters to this match just because they had an hour to work with where, mm-hmm. you know, the first 20 minutes or so, you have just a really kind of slow, methodical, well-worked wrestling match between these two guys. Then it starts to get a little more violent. Hangman Adam Page gets busted open. Um, it goes to a commercial. We come back. We see him covered in blood. Things start to get even more violent. It gets later into the match. He like almost eats it through a table, kind of sort of does anyway. Um, just different parts to the match that lead to entire sequences between both guys. So, yeah, in hindsight, it was a really cool match. I totally see now how they laid it out, which is cool. Um, now, all that being said, do I think it needed to be an hour long? I don't know. That's a great point. Um, honestly, I think it could have gone either way. Could they have done an hour match? Well, they did, and yes, it worked great. But could they have done a you know twenty minute half hour long match? Absolutely, I think they still could have. Um, I do think, in hindsight, though, the draw was a good choice because you think about it. Like Adam Page had this amazing story arc coming into this match with Kenny Omega, which he won. But after that match, and I think we talked about this a little bit on last week's episode. It just kind of felt like some of the excitement around Hangman Adam Page had been lost a little bit because that story had ended. And it's like, okay, well, where does he go from here? So I think if nothing else, this match almost kind of built on his match with Kenny Omega because, you know, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. That match was very anticipated, highly hyped up. I think this match was as well, but in a different way. And now it kind of paves the way for even better matches because now we know Hangman can go an hour with somebody. Granted, I say that, I truly think Brian Danielson was the ring general in this match and is the reason it was able to go an hour and look good. But at the same time, it shows that, you know, it takes two to tango. Hangman was able to hang in there and tango with him. So, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts on this match. We could probably talk about it for a long time. I think in short, it was a great match. It was an hour long, yes. I don't know that it was too long after I sit back and think about it. In fact, now I may go rewatch it because I'm just curious, like, what did I miss the first time? And all that being said, now I really want to know what's next. So I, I think it did its job in every way it could have. Yeah, that's a great question. What is next? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I mean, if I was sitting there as a fan for an hour holding my bladder, uh, you know, not wanting to miss a minute of this match, which I would not. I mean, you that's why you pay the money to see this match in particular. I wouldn't want to leave. So it's an hour and it ends in a draw. I would be kind of a little upset if I watched it live. But we had the luxury of watching it in our homes mm-hmm. where we could get up during the commercial, take a piss, get a beer, get a snack, whatever you want to do. Um, I think it would have been awesome to see live. The energy in New York. I mean... I keep the crowd saying was it. hot. Yeah. New York and Chicago are, I think, the best wrestling towns, quite frankly, on the planet. Agreed. They are rap- rapid fans. I don't know who takes the cake, New York or Chicago. And with that being said, I give big ups to New York. So, because everybody says Chicago is most lit. 
But that's debatable. That's we'll save that for another show. But anyway, I love the crowd in New York. Anytime they go to Long Island or whatever, it's gonna be a great show. And that crowd, uh, you know, really bought into it. They participated. They kept it going for us as the viewers at home because that they were just as much as part of the match as the wrestlers itself. Uh, the wrestlers were the ones that were really tangling with their emotions. So giving them an hour on Winter is Coming, that's awesome. That will always be remembered. Because after the match, we'll get into it a little later, it seemed kind of like a big commercial for next Dynamite or matches coming up on Rampage, even though there was three other matches after the hour-long one. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you guys that this was probably one of the best hour-long matches ever. Uh, they did tell a great story. I just would have loved to see a winner. I would love to see a belt change. I still wanted to go with Brian Danielson to win it. I would have loved to see that. But I, his time is coming. It, it, it has to be. I don't know where they go from here either. Uh, who will, you know, because this is, you know, not settled. This score is not settled. Maybe we'll see it, you know, coming up at, when they battle for the belts or a show like that. Or maybe even to double or nothing. Who knows? Right. They say, they say double or nothing is like their WrestleMania show, their biggest year. In my opinion, I think it's all out. But according to uh, Rhodes to the Top, that awesome reality show <laughs> with Cody Rhodes and Brandy, they kept talking about how Double or Nothing was the shit. Well, okay, fine. It's the first one out of the four that they air for the year. Hopefully, we'll see a title change between Brian Danielson and Adam Hangman Page there. We'll see. That's I, my uh, two cents. I, I got to agree with you, Mike. I think... Um... This match, I definitely wanted to see a winner as well. I think I, you know, for some of our new listeners out there, I think I am not officially deemed this role, but I feel like sometimes I get to be a, the most analytical person on this podcast. So that's why you're on the podcast, Matt. Oh, somebody's got to like keep the 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 train on the rails here, yeah, and like let people know actually like what happened in the match. I I can't remember people's names properly. So. <laughs> but that's that's why you're on the podcast, Mike. So yeah. we all we all play I'm our part of your charm. So I'm the color, right? So so <laughs> as as the analytical one in the podcast, I feel like I may have gone into this match watching it, you know, as a booker more so than as a fan. And I think you know sometimes when you work on podcasts like this, you start to think that way a little too much, and the fan in you starts to get worn down a little bit. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that at the end of this match. I was a little pissed off that there wasn't a winner. Not not based on the booking at all, but just a draw always leaves you wanting more. And you can mm -hmm. hear it with the crowd. They wanted a winner as well. I think a lot mm -hmm. of people were okay with the draw because they understand why it was done, how it was done, and what that means going forward. But at the same time, you just want to see someone win, right? And right. I know as part of our group text, I think I had mentioned this to you guys. I was really hoping, I think it was like 40 minutes in, I was really hoping Brian Danielson was going to win. I was starting to think he might. So, I you know, that tells you right there. I, he could be the champ. Absolutely. No problem. He can do an hour match for his first title shot in AEW. Like, yes, put the belt on him, please. But I, but getting back to this match specifically, yeah, I was a little bummed at the ending as well. But good news is that hopefully means more yet to come. Yeah, I think um, AEW has earned the reputation that 
yeah, I think all of us wanted, you know, we felt like, oh, you know, we wanted some resolution. And sometimes not getting what you want is good when in the right hands. And I think AEW, because they don't go to cheap disqualifications or double countouts or double disqualifications much at all, if ever, I think when they do pull this sort of thing, um, we have the trust that we will get that resolution at some point. True. Also a good point. Yeah, they're 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 very they're still in their infancy where they really haven't messed a lot of things up yet. Lots of times outcomes like this it is really for a purpose. And we place our faith in them and I think they will deliver in the future. So that was a nice little uh, synopsis of that great match that we saw. Uh then I think the I think it uh went over to MJF. Um did CM Punk come out at all or no? At the end he came out but to help um, Dante. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Cool. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, we saw CM Punk come out at the end between Dante Martin and MJF. Dante Martin, uh, they were supposed to be going with Team Taz. He turned his back on um, Or he turned his back on Leo Rush, didn't he? Or did he turn well, his back on like It seemed everybody? like he was teamed with Leo Rush, and then... Taz, Team Taz was courting just him, not Leo Rush. Right. It seemed like, oh, of course he's going to spurn them. But then he signed with them. But then mm. in the Battle Royal, he eliminated Powerhouse Hobbs and kind of revealed that he was playing Team Taz. So now right. Team Taz has it out for him naturally. And um, yeah, that's... It's kind of a muddy story. A little uh, bit. And a little, and a little rushed. So I Leo think... Rushed. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so that's why da- Dante is gonna is this, like an amazing guy. It's like they're ricochet in their mm-hmm. promotion right now. Like the young budding star that like can defy gravity and pull off some amazing shit. I don't know how this guy doesn't get hurt. He only weighs like looks like one hundred and fifty five pounds. So I don't know. I hope he's. I hope he stays healthy. Because he's still young and pulling off this shit right away. It's pretty amazing. Uh, but anyway, uh, we said that we thought MJF would win the diamond ring again. And now I know it's like it's like a sales uh it's like a sales uh match sponsored by Kurs or some jewelry company. Oh, was it? So I missed that. Na- yeah, they slapped their name on it. Uh, this is the the House of Fine Diamonds uh match diamond <laughs> ring match it's I'm like yeah. fuck that is kind of what happened i i think actually a couple days before the match i saw on instagram mjf had posted a picture <laughs> with the new ring and gave a shout out to whatever jewelry company made yeah. it so yeah ew that is one thing they are not ashamed to do is promote some business or something through oh. it, whether it's you know a jewelry company pizza hut you name it the best the best was at all in when it was the Cracker Barrel That's match, right. Where they used the Cracker Barrel. For, for Cracker Barrel, the restaurant, they had an actual barrel out there with Cracker Barrel's logo on it, and they used the barrel as a weapon. I think that's funny, for sure. It was. So, oh, it was 100% there's, funny. There's nothing wrong with uh, pulling in a little extra money, you know, if uh, they want to give them, you know, half a, half a million dollars to be MJF's you know, personal ring guy. I think it's pretty worth it. But, you know, it's not like they're starving for money either when you got Tony Khan, son of a billionaire. 
But anyway, it's it doesn't matter. Um, MJF did end up winning this match, correct? Yes. yes. So he's the three-peat champion, diamond ring winner. And you know, if you're not going to put a belt on the guy right now, I mean, there's not a whole lot of belts to go around in AEW. At least he has something where he's the top dog of something year after year after year. So it's kind of like being like the winner of the king of the ring, basically. doesn't really mean anything, but you got the title. Well, now uh, they the keep respect. giving it to him year after year. So when somebody finally beats it, like next year, if somebody mm-hmm. finally um, beats him for it, the, the, whoever that is is going to have a big bump. Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe that is the strategy. Just, you know, put it on MJF. It, it does make sense. You know, he's like this trust fund kid wearing the Burberry scarf. It fits great. He uses it as a quick little weapon to get the edge as a heel and matches super functional um yeah but what did you guys think of the match itself i thought the match itself was awesome i mean we saw the match uh at full gear with mjf and darby allen where i think it was the first match where we really saw what mjf can do Mm -hmm. in the ring and i think this match um wasn't nearly like that one i mean he definitely showed some of his abilities but i think he did a great job selling for dante martin dante martin was the star of this match i think you know all all his high spots he got to hit just constantly popping the crowd um mjf did a great job just kind of laying in wait letting him get his spots in but then just at the right moment killing his momentum as a true heel does so i think it was a really well-worked match um the diamond ring mike kind of like you said i feel like right now i you know, as I'm watching this match, I'm thinking, I don't get the purpose of this ring. Like, how did this even begin? But it's interesting because I think they've turned it into something, like you said, that it just gives the baby faces something to chase after as a way to sort of dethrone MJF in, in a very small way. So, you know, like you said, even though he doesn't have a belt on him, I think it's a great idea. I think he's the perfect guy to hang on to it. I think it does make sense for him to be the three-peat Dynamite Diamond Ring winner. It would have been great to see Dante Martin with it because I think he's at a point where they need to kind of reward him and start to give him some steps to take to move up the ranks a little bit because clearly the fans love him. He's amazing in the ring. Um, they just got to find a way to acknowledge that a little bit more formally, I think. But but despite all that, I think it was right putting it on MJF. And the match as a whole was great. Yeah, I don't totally. think... I was trying to work out in my head what, what the ring would do Dante Martin and I couldn't come up with anything. He's like got this feud now with Team Taz, which is obviously going to result in probably some awesome matches with um, Ricky Starks. Maybe he'll even win that belt off of him at some point to really jab it to Taz. But, yeah, I just think the ring probably doesn't fit into any of that equation. Um, There was a scary moment. I don't know if you guys caught that when um, Dante Martin did some move and landed his foot on MJF's uh, jaw or throat. Yeah. And it looked really bad, but I think as it turned out, it was okay. Yeah. But I was like sitting there like, Oh, that's not good. Yeah. It was a, uh, for those of our listeners who didn't see it, definitely go back and watch the match. Cause it's totally worth seeing. But there was a moment where Dante Martin uh, is running the ropes in the ring. He gets up on the top rope and does a springboard shooting star press to the outside and on the way down, he kind of overshoots it a little bit because the guy can fly. It's incredible. And he's amped. <laughs> he's amped, exactly. 
But I think what ended up happening was he overshot it a little bit. He ended up hitting MJF in the face with his shin or knee, kind of the lower part of his leg. Thankfully, MJF did a good job, you know, kind of moving out of the way, helping, you know, cushion the blow as much as he could. Dante thankfully landed fairly safely. It's, at least that's what it seemed like. But he got up right away and went right back to it. So, yeah, by all signs, it seems like he's okay. But, yeah, definitely a close call. Wow. Yeah. I Like I said, the guy, all these young guys, they just really, I mean, except for MJF. MJF doesn't really do, like, those big high spots. So, I mean, you can't really get as hurt when you're as good as him on the microphone. Guys like, um, you know, Darby Allen, Dante Martin, the guys that aren't as good on the mic. I mean, it's like they try to pull off the most death-defying and daring shit to get over with the crowd. But I just worry about the longevity of their careers. So, right. you're right. Anyway, um, awesome, awesome match. I'm looking forward to see what uh, MJF does. Well, what I wanted to say um, before in the intro, I mentioned MJF uh, before. I was on Cameo the other day uh, checking things out just to see what's happening. MJF is on there for $500. Ooh, and oh, wow you know you 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 can watch little sample videos too i watched one of them <laughs> one is only like 17 seconds oh. for 500 bucks i'd be pissed and, oh dude he was just like you know what you guys aren't even worth my fucking time and then cuts it <laughs> but I, I but he he does have some funny cameos i don't know if that's in the budget for keep the kayfabe once we get a little more sponsorship We'll see. I would love for MJF to cut a promo on Keep the Kayfabe Boys here. Though. For for our listeners out there, if you want to hear an MJF cameo on Keep the Kayfabe, do us a favor. Go on iTunes, find this podcast. If you're not already listening to it, give us five stars. Help us move up the charts. Eventually, at some point, maybe they'll start giving us money for this thing. And with that money, we can get MJF to do a cameo on the show. Even if it is seven seconds and it's him telling us to fuck off. Hey, he's on the show. Right. Sorry. And my Venmo is Mike Bate, B-A-T-E, 8484 on Venmo. If you just want to send direct cash, I'll put it towards the fund. I'm an honest guy. I hate liars, and I hate deceitful people. So if you send me money to put towards MJF, I will put it in the slush fund for maybe next year. Okay. Now, there may be, you may find that conflicting that a man who is honest and hates liars and deceitful people wants to pay MJF. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, That's it's true. for the fans. It's for the fans. So, you know, if the fans want to hear it, I'm just the treasurer. That's all. So true. We'll get there. We'll get there, boys. Well, let's keep moving it along here. Um, we saw Wardlow have a little, like, a little match. Uh, he destroyed somebody, and uh, uh, Sean Spears was out there, too. Uh, there's, there's, it was kind of, kind of weird. Um this Sean Spears thing, I think Wardlow, maybe that's how Wardlow kind of turns on the pinnacle, I'm thinking. Uh, he, Sean Spears is telling him to do stuff, not to do stuff. I think Wardlow's slowly getting a little irritated by being this uh, henchman that just gets told what to do while, because, you know, not only does Wardlow have brawn, but he also has a brain. You can yes. see that under his top knot little ponytail. I know you can. He's gonna he's gonna flip, he's gonna become a snap show and a killer, and probably take out the whole damn pinnacle someday. So uh, 
yeah. We don't really have to go super in-depth about Wardlow, but did you guys have any two cents you want to relay to the fans? You know, um, I was not thrilled with the segment in the moment, but something that happened on Twitter after kind of like saved it a little for me. So mm-hmm. I didn't, I just thought it was kind of corny and like the inevitable letdown after an hour long, you know, all time great match. But, um, you know, they sent Wardlow to go get champagne and then that's the last you see of him right. for the night. And then right. uh, I don't know, after, after that whole fracas that ended the show where CM Punk came and sting and all that, uh, MJF tweeted later, and where the hell was Wardlow? So it's just like, I, I kind of love that. It's like, he's pissed at Wardlow for not being there to help him, but he's the You're one right. that sent him away for champagne. And it's like, you just know all of this is leading towards that. And, and maybe it's not going to happen for a long time yet, but it's just all these little cracks in the foundation and Wardlow is going to be the ultimate baby face when he finally has enough. Such basic level heel tactics, but it's yeah. so effective. It's incredible. Um, yeah, this segment, Mike, like you said, there's no need to really go into the details of it. The two things I took away from it, one is Sean Spears cut a pretty awesome promo and I think was actually the saving grace of the entire match. Um, you know, he comes mm-hmm. in with the chair. He's kind of got that look on his face after he unloads with the chair shots on Matt Seidel and where he almost has to shake it off. It's such a good feeling for him. That's a really interesting little wrinkle in his character that I don't know that he's done a really good job selling before. So I was really happy to see that. Uh, nice. The other thing is when he picks up the phone and, and he calls uh, MJF Maxi, that, that kind of made <laughs> me laugh a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, honestly, Sean Spears was the star of this segment. And so it made him look good. Clearly, it did a lot to advance the uh, inevitable breakup between Wardlow and the rest of the pinnacle. Mike, as you were talking about this, I just realized I would love to see. And I don't know that AEW would ever do this or how they would book into this. But it would be awesome to see a four-on-one handicap cage match where all the members of the Pinnacle just beat the crap out of MJF in a steel cage for however long it takes. Like, the ultimate payoff. That would be something. God, that'd be great. I mean, obviously, that's down the road beyond when Wardlow turns on MJF, but they could make it happen. I would not be surprised. Hey, they might, uh, who knows? They'll probably do another war game style uh, a year from now, we saw it between the Pinnacle and uh, uh, fucking Inner Circle. Inner Circle lost, so the Pinnacle are the champions. Maybe they'll go up against the Best Friends or some other big hot faction, the Super Click. I don't know. But, um, you know, I think uh, that's entirely possible that maybe that's when w- MJF is in a cage with nowhere to run and no one to help him out. So that would make total sense. I like where your head's at there, bro. Um, so let's move along. Do we want to get into a little Serena Deeb and Sheeta match here? I, I don't have a ton to say other than I think it was a really well a really well done match. I mean, beginning to end, mm-hmm. as you'd expect from those two. I mean, they're two of the best in the in the AEW. And it was uh yeah, it was a good match. And I think Deeb's aggression, the whole story there was like got the better of her and uh the smarter or the more calm wrestler pulled it off mm-hmm. and uh i don't know if that's the end of that feud but it was a fun feud yeah totally pretty crazy too i'm sorry i not to jump in uh i was just going to mention serena deeb was just in milwaukee uh matter of fact waukesha which is a suburb outside of milwaukee probably like 40 miles um 
and Serena Deeb was just here wrestling a great match in front of, uh, you know, 2,000 people? No. 1,000? 800? I don't know. And then goes to that super venue. It's just cool. I just like how AEW lets people, their wrestlers, go and wrestle at other shows and, you know, put on a great, great show and help themselves make money if they want to. Totally. Mike, is is the show you're referring to the Blizzard Brawl that we saw? Blizzard, Blizzard Brawl, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I think Billy Gunn was also at that show, which is really <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, nice. all these all these wrestlers AEW Let's Travel is really neat. Um, but yeah, as far as my thoughts on the match with Deeb and Cheetah, yeah, it was it was a good match. I mean, all the matches those two have are always rock solid. I, I don't think the placement on the card was really doing them any favors. Um, AEW just has this really bad habit of putting women in the worst possible position when it comes to placement on the card, I think. Um, thankfully it was Sheeta and Deeb. So of course it was a great match. I am at a point, and this is just me personally, but I think I'm at a point where I'm ready to see Serena Deeb take on some other women in the AEW women's division. Um, obviously Sheeta's a great competitor, but I'm sure there's other folks. Serena Deeb would be really fun to see in the ring with. So yeah, great match. Um, it was the right outcome, I think. But yeah, I think we're at a point now where it's time for Serena Deeb to start taking on other opponents. And obviously, Sheeta's got a lot more she can do now, too. Right. Yeah, maybe maybe if a face wins that uh, TBS title, like Thunder Rosa or um, Ruby Soho, maybe Deeb's like going to you know go after them right away. Right. Or because they're not... Uh, because she is going to these indie shows and working them, maybe she knows that her storyline is weak in AEW and she wants to bring home a little more bacon for herself, knowing she's not going to get thrown a bone. I don't Very know. Possible. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. So, yeah, that was a good match. Overall, what did you guys think of Winter is Coming? We kind of built this up as, like, uh, you know, another pay-per-view that... Um, AEW likes to put on for us as a free show on their cable network. On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you guys rate it? Um, My initial thought was that just apples to apples, it was like maybe a little bit of a letdown compared to the hype. However, I don't know if that's AEW's fault or my fault for building up the hype. I mean, they handed you an all-time great hour-long match that would have been talked about for years to come on a pay-per-view or not so it's like that was clearly what all the eggs were in on so that being said it's hard to knock a show that gives you that kind of match even if the rest of it didn't quite live up i guess i would give it an a minus i think you know that was a world-class match it's really hard to give it any lower rating after an extravaganza like that even though the rest of it was was just okay i agree with steve i i i I mean, I know the rating wasn't on a scale of 1 to 10, but I would also give it an A-. minus. I think that makes sense because I I can feel the same way coming into this show. I, I don't know what I was expecting, quite frankly. I, I think I was expecting something very different, though. Um, and Steve, kind of like you just said, I think the expectations didn't necessarily line up with what we actually got. But granted, we got an hour-long title match on TV, which is unheard of. So that was really cool to see. Um I do think going into this, I think everyone's expectations were probably a little high just because, I mean, think about it. Last year at Winter's Coming was the debut of Sting, which yep. also 
isn't it crazy to think Sting's only been in AEW for a year now? Like, I, I can't even wrap my head around that. It just seems like it's, it's been, been a so lot. much longer. Um, so that was an unforgettable night. It was also um, at a time where I think AEW was still doing a lot of work developing its talent, and everyone was feeling really hot and fresh. Now they've got this very mature, well-rounded roster. So to do that is... It's a little more work. It's a little different. And, and the faces they have are just a little bit different than they were a year ago. So, I, you know, I think that's just a big part of it is, you know, things change over time. So, yeah, I, I do think the title match did a great job. I, I don't know that having it on at the beginning of the show um, was necessarily, like, the best move. But, you know, do you put it on second? Well, I guess what's the right placement? Like, how else could you have possibly booked an hour-long match? Um, I don't True. really know. So, yeah, I would give it an A minus because in hindsight, it was still a fantastic show. I just think it was very different than what a lot of people were expecting. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Yeah, I think you got to put that title match on. I mean, I texted you boys probably at three o'clock, being like, "Yo, I'm really pumped for tonight." You know, everybody's anticipating. You got to strike while the iron's hot and grab people at the height of their enthusiasm. Um, I would give it a strong B plus. I kind of didn't love all the uh, advertisements that it was kind of like just it's kind of like a billboard for, you know, the future shows and future matches, I guess. But I can appreciate that being an entrepreneur and marketing is everything. And, you know, so, yeah, not to take anything away. Last year, we saw an amazing um, winter is coming. It, I don't think it was as good as last year. I would put last year as an AA minus. So I guess I got to go B plus. That's my opinion. That's so. fair. Yeah. They get a world title change last year too. Yeah. And we got Sting. That's when Don Callis came like into the company too. We don't really talk about that. Don was on the, um, the broadcast booth. That's right. Pops in with Kenny Omega. And then the rest is history with that pair. And we expressed our love of Don for a whole year later. So it was huge in uh, retrospect. So yeah. I guess one quick thing, one quick thing Mike alluded to is that, um, um, that it's almost like an advertisement for future shows. For those that didn't catch it, um, Adam Cole referenced to having a pre Christmas present this Wednesday. So uh, all signs point to Kyle O'Reilly debuting. But um, we'll see. And I mean, I think it's possible that might not be the only debut. So, yeah, I kind of think if you view them as a one-two punch, this week's show could be really exciting. Oh, nice. yes. Yeah. Mike, sorry. I, I just remembered now what I was going to add. Um, yeah, I think, honestly, that's, that is the thing that I think Winter's Coming was missing was some sort of surprise debut. Just because I know last year at Winter's Coming, like I said, we had the debut of Sting. And now mm -hmm. with folks like Kyle O'Reilly and all these other free agents floating around, you know, I, I think a lot of folks were expecting at least one person to debut, but yeah. we ended up not getting anyone. So I, that could be a big part of it. But in true well, AEW style, they did a good job kind of building hype for this week. So, you know, we have the Christmas episode this week. Adam Cole's dropped a hint um, with Bobby Fish and the rest of the Super Click about something mm -hmm. that could happen this week or a special present. I, we can only anticipate what that might be. And Malachi oh, and Black hinted at Brody King coming. So um, 
Yeah. I mean, and if it works, if they have a bunch of debuts this week and the ratings go up, it worked because the ratings went up last week with the title match. So if they kind of carried that over to an extra week, they know what they're doing. Well, also, too, the name Winter was coming worked so well last year with the Sting debut because Sting uses Winter like the snow, the crow that's in there kind of is reminiscent to the Game of Thrones show where the slogan really came from winter is coming i wonder if tony khan bought that or if that was ever trademarked anyway doesn't matter but um it just works so well the the symmetry of it all um so yeah maybe if maybe if they put a different name on it we would have had a different uh opinion maybe we'd have bumped it up to a a plus i don't know whatever we're just uh, drawing extras now at this point. Let's get to the real reason we're all sticking around to this show and um, get to the gifts. This is the season of giving. I've been really, really busy uh, with my candle business, Lit MKE. It's been a, an amazing year. I am dead tired, but I just wrapped up all my orders tonight. I can really start to relax and get into the Christmas spirit. And what better way to do that than to treat my group of friends, my guys, my boys, the Keep the Kayfabe crew to a little a little present, a little gift for, you know, we, we had a great year this year, boys. I mean, we recorded, I think, over, you know, f- close to 45 episodes. We got in, we got, we did a live podcast this year. We got a website now. We got t-shirts. We interviewed living legends and uh, a current world champion so keep the kayfabe is growing and you know what last year i treated you guys to greg the hammer valentine this year i got someone even better let's see who we got mr technical here barry horowitz with a huge shout out to charlie steve and matt you guys are awesome co-head co-hosts, excuse me, of the podcast Keeping the Kayfabe. I love it. I love the name. Yeah, I got to give a pat on the back to all you guys and the name of that podcast. I'm a big fan of podcasts. So, we want a Kayfabe story? I got a Kayfabe story for all of you. You ready? You ready? So, Mr. Technical Barry Horowitz is walking into Kroger Grocery Store in Springfield, Tennessee with the wife And I got some Mark coming up to me and saying, hey, you lose on TV all the time. And you know what I said? I looked at him and I said, that's nice. So does your mom. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. I say, hey, you want to jump? Jump. It's easier to jump on than jump off. You feel froggy. Go for it. Yeah, I'm the hottest ride in the park. He didn't want no part of me. I'd have stretched him, submitted him, headbutted him, and beat the friggin' shit out of him right there in the grocery aisle next to the apples with the other goofs. So that's a shoot story. I hope you guys appreciate it. I appreciate you guys for being big fans of mine. I want you to have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, and remember, I'm Mr. Technical, and that's it. That's all I am. I'm Mr. Technical. Well, there it is. Barry Horowitz. That's so great. Oh, my God. What a guy. He was my all-time favorite jobber. He (sighs) made me laugh. I mean, he's got these huge ears. He had, like, the beaver tail mullet. Yep. uh, Curly on the top. He just, 
I think he was Jewish. Didn't he come out to like have a Nagila? Maybe I think so. I think he did. Like to the, have a Nagila. Like it was, and he had like the Star of David on his trunks. And, and I remember he actually won. Like then they went with it for a little bit. <laughs> like it was, yeah, it was. You know, it's a lost thing to have just the full on enhancement talent jobber with such personality. Yeah, that guy's an all time great. Yeah, oh. and I love that story. Yeah, it's such That's a good amazing. story, Mike. I love how you said he had a ducktail mallet or mullet. It's like, oh, he had. <laughs> For our listeners out there, if you can't see the video, it's has. Yeah, we'll we'll post these later. He's got so great. He's in a room like with you know people that drew sketches of him and pictures of Bret Hart. Looks like he's down in Tampa. He's a big uh, Buccaneers fan. So. Looking like it, yeah. Yeah, maybe we can bump into him. I go down to Tampa pretty often. So, uh, Barry, let's set it up, bro. Thank you so much, Barry. We love you. You're the man. Thanks so much for that great promo. So, that was yeah, excellent. Boys, I mean, that was way better than Greg the Hammer Valentine. I think Greg was a little over it when he recorded our cameo from last year. Maybe we'll post that one, too, because he did have a pretty good line in there. Yeah, yeah, so, I wouldn't. It's hard to compare the two. I mean, maybe Greg just really keeps it kayfabe. True. And Linda had to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! And I wanted to beat the shit out of him right next to the apples. Apples. That was the <laughs> Why the apples? I love it. He's fucking awesome, Barry Horowitz. Well, boys, I just you know I thought it was pretty good, but you know, I was like, I think there's still room in santa's sack here i might have to reach <laughs> down and see if there's any more presents down at the bottom kind of like the last french fry in the bag mm. oh look who's coming to the party you guys know who this is oh, oh, oh train so we got comma papa shango the godfather Charles Famer. Hall of Famer, he is looking good. So I'm not going to try to keep you guys in a lot of suspense here. I just want to roll it. I'll tell you what I wrote to him after you see this. But this guy is one of the coolest guys ever. Charles Wright, the Godfather. Let's hear it. Hey, what's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, the Godfather here. And I want to shout out to Mike Bate. And everybody at the wrestling podcast called Fabe. I hear you guys are big smokers. You're big wrestling fans. So you're doing it right. And I want to especially shout out to Charlie, Steve, and Matt. You guys are all doing a good job. You got to get me on there sometime. Who more Fabe than me? Boy, I'm telling you, I'm not Fabe at all. But to all you smokers, man, you guys stay on that smoke train. You keep pimping. You know that I'm going to keep it smoking for a long, long time. So like I said, I want to shout out to the podcast. Maybe one day I can get out on that show. That'd be pretty cool. Have a godfather, have some holes. So it's time once again for everybody at the podcast called K-Fabe, keep the K-Fabe, to come get on the <laughs> ho train. Keep it pipping, guys. Peace. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> oh, great. That was so good. Oh, God. Oh, dude. What a guy. So, as you probably many of you know who listen to the show, The Godfather, he's huge in the cannabis. Uh, he's been on Dark Side of the Ring a whole bunch. And, you know, 
it's obvious. Whatever. He still puffs it. So when I uh, when I wrote to him, I was like, can you please be as high as possible when you do this? <laughs> and then also, got any good smoking stories of either with other wrestlers or with any hoes? He didn't really tell the stories about, you know, puffing on it, but he did show interest that he might want to come on the show. Sure did. Yeah, totally. He said it twice. And maybe Mike, I my guess is, yeah, you may have asked him to tell a story. He's probably he probably got so high he just forgot, which is exactly. understandable. Exactly. Well, he said my full name too. I never thought the Godfather would utter uh Mike yeah. Bate, you know, mm-hmm. off of his cannabis puffing lips. Um <laughs> So that's pretty cool. Shout out to you guys. Um, yeah, so I'm going to, you know, during our break, I, I think I'm going to send a thank you note to Charles and see if maybe he wants to be, you know, a guest on the show. He says he likes podcasts. He wants to get on there. So I think we can arrange that. Uh, let's yeah. do it. Let's, take let's go for it. it. We're going to shoot our shot in 2022, boys. It's going to be a big year. We had a huge year in 2021. We came a long way from 2020. I think we're finally getting good at this now. And I mean, our listener base is growing. We want to thank all of you for listening. Um, shout out to you all for sending in your promos of the week. Um, we're going to keep improving the show. And please uh, DM us at or, um on Instagram or Facebook. Let us know what you want us to cover and want to hear. Shoot us a note to our email. Keep the kayfabe at, or excuse me, keep the kayfabe 414 at gmail.com. You can, um, you know, email us directly. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Um, we're both, we're all busy people, but we are really looking forward to a little break. It's honestly been such a pleasure to bring you a show once a week, sometimes twice a week. And I uh, just want to wish, you know, my boys here, Steve, Matt, Charlie, thank you for, you know, putting your time into this podcast, all that you've done and contributed. And it's just been a real pleasure. So it's been real fun for me to uh, sit down, talk wrestling, learn more wrestling, have a great time and hang out with a cool bunch of dudes like you. So Merry Christmas, boys. Yeah. Merry Christmas to you. Too. Merry Christmas. This is to, to, we're, we got another year of even greater excellence coming ahead of us. Oh, yeah. Just you wait. Oh, yeah. We'll be back at uh, probably Crusher Fest coming up. We might book some more stuff. Hey, if you want us to, uh, you know, do something, go to an event or go to a wrestling event, cover something, shoot us a note. We'll work hard for you. We'll work as hard as the Godfather did for us on Cameo. That's for damn sure. He brought it. Yeah. (laughs) He and Barry. Yeah. Thank you, Barry and Charles. You guys are awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you all have a very, very merry holiday, whatever you celebrate. Uh, But most importantly, I hope everybody gets a lot of nice, well-deserved rest after a comeback year like we had in 2021 here. And keep it merry. You know what we like to say around here at Keep the Kayfabe. We like to keep it Triple H. Stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hard. Because podcasting ain't easy. Ha <laughs> ha! Triple H! <laughs> <laughs> Long time.